Chapter Eight of the Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Deluge, Volume Two by Heinrich Schenkewitz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Eight. Pan Andrei fretted in his lodgings like a wounded wildcat. The hellish revenge of Bogoslav Radzivill brought him almost to madness. Not enough that that prince had sprung out of his hands, killed his men, almost deprived him of life. He had put upon him besides shame such as no one, not merely of his name, but no pole from the beginning of the world had ever groaned under. There were moments when Kmita wished to leave everything, the glory which was opening before him, the service of the king and fly away to avenge himself on that magnate whom he wanted to eat up alive. But on the other hand, in spite of all his rage and the whirlwind in his head, he remembered that while the prince lived revenge would not vanish, and the best means, the only way to hurl back his calumny and lay bare all the infamy of his accusation, was precisely the service of the king, for in it he could show the world that not only had he not thought of raising his hand against the sacred person of Jan Casimir, but that among all the nobles of Lithuania and Poland, no person more loyal than Kmita could be found. But he gnashed his teeth, and was boiling like a stew. He tore his clothing, and long, long was it before he could calm himself. He gloated over the thought of revenge. He saw this Radzivill again in his hands. He swore by the memory of his father that he must reach Bogoslav, even if death and torments were awaiting him therefore and though the prince was a mighty lord whom not only the revenge of a common noble but even the revenge of a king could not easily touch still whoso knew that unrestrained soul better would not have slept calmly and more than once would have trembled before his vows and still pan andrei did not know yet that the prince had not merely covered him with shame and robbed him of repute meanwhile the king who from the first had conceived a great love for the young hero sent pan lugovsky to him that same day and on the morrow commanded kmita to accompany his majesty to opal where at a general assembly of the senators it was intended to deliberate on the return of the king to the country indeed there was something over which to deliberate Lyubomarsky, the marshal of the kingdom had sent a new letter announcing that everything in the country was ready for a general war and urging earnestly the return Besides this, news was spread of a certain league of nobles and soldiers formed for the defense of the king and the country, concerning which men had really been thinking of for some time, but which, as appeared afterward, was concluded a little later under the name of the Confederation of Tshavsti. All minds were greatly occupied by the news, and immediately after a thanksgiving mass they assembled in a secret council, to which, at the instance of the king, Kmita too was admitted, since he had brought news from Chenstohova. They began then to discuss whether the return was to take place at once, or whether it were better to defer it till the army, not only by wish but by deed, should abandon the Swedes. Young Casimir put an end to these discussions by saying, Do not discuss, your worthinesses, the return, or whether it is better to defer it a while, for I have taken counsel already concerning that with God and the Most Holy Lady. Therefore I communicate to you that whatever may happen, we shall move in person these days. Express your ideas, therefore, your worthinesses, and be not sparing of counsel as to how our return may be best and most safely accomplished. 
opinions were various some advised not to trust too greatly to the marshal of the kingdom who had once shown hesitation and disobedience when instead of giving the crown to the emperor for safekeeping according to the order of the king he had carried it to Ilabavia. great said they is the pride and ambition of that lord and if he should have the person of the king in his castle who knows what he might do or what he would ask for his services who knows what he would not try or wish to seize the whole government in his own hands and become the protector not only of the entire country but of the king these advised the king therefore to wait for the retreat of the swedes and repair to chenstohova as to the place from which grace and rebirth had spread over the commonwealth but others gave different opinions the swedes are yet at chenstohova and though by the grace of god they will not capture the place still there are no unoccupied roads all the districts about there are in swedish hands the enemy are at kajepsi vilyuni krakow along the boundary also considerable forces are disposed in the mountains near the hungarian border where luyubavla is situated there are no troops save those of the marshal the swedes have never gone to that distance not having men enough nor daring sufficient from yublavia it is nearer to russia which is free of hostile occupation and to Lvov, which has not ceased to be loyal and to the tartars who according to information are coming with succor all these are waiting specifically for the decision of the king as to pan yubermursky said the bishop of krakow his ambition will be satisfied with this that he will receive the king first in his starostaship of spidge and will surround him with protection the government will remain with the king but the hope itself of great services will satisfy the marshal if he wishes to tower above all others through his loyalty then whether his loyalty flows from ambition or from love to the king and the country his majesty will always receive notable profit this opinion of a worthy and experienced bishop seemed the most proper therefore it was decided that the king should go through the mountains to Lyubovia, and thence to Lvov, or whithersoever circumstances might dictate they discussed also the day of returning but the voveda of lenscht who had just come from his mission to the emperor for aid said that it was better not to fix the date but to leave the decision to the king so that the news might not be spread and the enemy forewarned they decided only this that the king would move on with three hundred dragoons under command of tisenhaus who though young enjoyed already the reputation of a great soldier but still more important was the second part of the deliberations in which it was voted unanimously that on his arrival in the country government and the direction of the war should pass into the hands of the king whom nobles troops and hetmans were to obey in all things they spoke besides of the future and touched upon the causes of those sudden misfortunes which as a deluge had covered the whole land in such a brief period and the primate himself gave no other cause for this than the disorder want of obedience and excessive contempt for the office and majesty of the king he was heard in silence for each man understood that it was a question here of the fate of the commonwealth and of great hitherto unexampled changes in it which might bring back the ancient power of the state and which was long desired by the wise queen who loved her adopted country from the mouth of the worthy prince of the church there came words like thunderbolts and the souls of the hearers opened to the truth almost as flowers open to the sun not against ancient liberties do i rise said the primate but against that license which with its own hands is murdering the country in very truth men have forgotten in this commonwealth the distinction between freedom and license and as excessive pleasure ends in pain so freedom unchecked has ended in slavery 
you have descended to such error citizens of this illustrious commonwealth that only he among you passes for a defender of liberty who raises an uproar who breaks diets and opposes the king not when it is needful but when for the king it is a question of saving the country in our treasury the bottom of the chest can be seen the soldier unpaid seeks pay of the enemy the diets the only foundation of this commonwealth are dissolved after having done nothing for one disorderly man one evil citizen for his own private purpose may prevent deliberation what manner of liberty is that which permits one man to stand against all if that is freedom for one man then it is bondage for all others and where have we gone with the use of this freedom which seems such sweet fruit behold one weak enemy against whom our ancestors gained so many splendid victories now sicut fulgur exit ab occidente et poret usque ad orientem flashes like lightning from the west and goes as far as the east no one opposes him traitorous heretics aided him and he seized possession of all things he persecutes the faith he desecrates churches and when you speak of your liberties he shows you the sword behold what your provincial diets have come to what your veto has come to what your license has come to your degradation of the king at every step your king the natural defender of the country you have rendered first of all powerless and then you complain that he does not defend you you did not want your own government and now the enemy is governing and who i ask can save us in this fall who can bring back ancient glory to this commonwealth if not he who has spent so much of his life and time for it when the unhappy domestic war with the cossacks tore it who exposed his consecrated person to dangers such as no monarch in our time has passed through who at zborovo at berischeko and at zhivanets fought like a common soldier bearing toils and hardships beyond his station of king to him now we will confide ourselves to him with the example of the ancient romans we will give the dictatorship and take counsel ourselves how to save in time coming this fatherland from domestic enemies from vice license disorder disobedience and restore due dignity to the government and the king so spoke the primate and misfortune with the experience of recent times had changed his hearers in such a degree that no man protested for all saw clearly that either the power of the king must be strengthened or the commonwealth must perish without fail they began therefore to consider in various ways how to bring the counsels of the primate into practice the king and queen listened to them eagerly and with joy especially the queen who had labored long and earnestly at the introduction of order into the commonwealth the king returned then to glogov glad and satisfied and summoning a number of confidential officers among whom was kmita he said i am impatient my stay in this country is burning me i could wish to start even tomorrow therefore i have called you as men of arms and experience to provide ready methods it is a pity that we should lose time when our presence may hasten considerably a general war in truth said lugovsky if such is the will of your royal grace why delay the sooner the better while the affair is not noised about and the enemy do not double their watchfulness added colonel wolf the enemy are already on their guard and have taken possession of the road so far as they are able said kmita how is that asked the king gracious lord your intended return is no news for the swedes almost every day a report travels over the whole commonwealth that your royal grace is already on the road or even now in your realms inter regna therefore it is necessary to observe the greatest care and to hurry by through narrow places stealthily for douglas's scouts are waiting on the roads the best carefulness 
said Tizenhouse, looking at Kmita, is three hundred faithful sabres, and if my gracious lord gives me command over them, I will conduct him in safety, even over the breasts of Douglas's scouts. You will conduct if there are just three hundred, but suppose that you meet six hundred or a thousand, or come upon a superior force waiting in ambush. What then? I say three hundred, answered Tizenhouse, for three hundred were mentioned. If, however, that is too small a party, we can provide five hundred and even more. God save us from that! The larger the party, the more noise it will make, said Kmita. I think the marshal of the kingdom will come out to meet us with his squadrons, put in the king. The marshal will not come out, answered Kmita, for he will not know the day and the hour, and even if he did know, some delay might happen on the road, as is usual. It is difficult to foresee everything. A soldier says that, a genuine soldier, said the king. It is clear that you are not a stranger to war. Kmita laughed, for he remembered his attacks at Hovansky, who was more skilled than he in such actions. To whom could the escort of the king be entrusted with more judgment? But Tizenhaus was evidently of a different opinion from the king, for he frowned and said with sarcasm against Kmita, We wait, then, for your enlightened counsel. Kmita felt ill-will in the words. Therefore he fixed his glance on Tizenhaus and answered, My opinion is that the smaller the party, the easier it will pass. How is that? The will of your royal grace is unfettered, said Kmita, and can do what it likes, but my reason teaches me this. Let Pan Tizenhaus go ahead with the dragoons, giving out purposely that he is conducting the king. This he will do to attract the enemy to himself. His affair is to wind out, to escape from the trap safely, and we with a small band in a day or two will move after him with your royal grace, and when the enemy's attention is turned in another direction, it will be easy for us to reach Lyubovla. The king clapped his hands with delight. God sent us a soldier, cried he. Solomon could not judge better. I give my vote for this plan, and there must not be another. They will hunt for the king among the dragoons, and the king will pass by under their noses. It could not be better. Gracious king, cried Tizenhaus, that is pastime. Soldiers pastime, said the king, but no matter, I will not recede from that plan. Kmita's eyes shone from delight because his opinion had prevailed, but Tizenhaus sprang from his seat. Gracious lord, said he, I resign my command from the dragoons. Let someone else lead them. And why is that? For if your royal grace will go without defense, exposed to the play of fortune, to every destructive chance which may happen, I wish to be near your person to expose my breast for you, and to die should the need be. I thank you for your sincere intention, answered Jan Casimir. But calm yourself, for in just such a way as Babinich advises shall I be least exposed. Let Pan Babinich, or whatever his name may be, take what he advises on his own responsibility. It may concern him that your royal grace be lost in the mountains. I take as witness, God and my companions here present, that I advised against it from my soul. Scarcely had he finished speaking when Kmita sprang up, and standing face to face with Tizenhaus asked, What do you mean by these words? Tizenhaus measured him haughtily with his eyes from head to foot, and said, Do not strain your head, little man, toward mine. The place is too high for you. To which Kmita, with lightning in his eyes, replied, It is not known for whom it would be too high if— If what? asked Tizenhaus, looking at him quickly. If I should reach higher people than you. Tizenhaus laughed. But where would you seek them? Silence! said the king suddenly, with a frown. Do not begin a quarrel in my presence. Jan Casimir made an impression of such dignity on all surrounding him, that both young men were silent and confused, 
remembering that in the presence of the king unseemly words had escaped them. But the king added, No one has the right to exalt himself above that cavalier who burst the siege-gun and escaped from Swedish hands, even though his father lived in a village, which, as I see, was not the case, for a bird from his feathers, and blood from deeds are easily known. Drop your offences. Here the king turned to Tisenhouse. You wish it, then remain with our person. We may not refuse that. Wolf or Denhoff will lead the dragoons. But Babinich, too, will remain, and we will go according to his counsel, for he has pleased our heart. I wash my hands, said Tisenhouse. Only preserve the secret, gentlemen. Let the dragoons go to Radabor to-day, and spread as widely as possible the report that I am with them, and then be on the watch, for you know not the day nor the hour. Go, Tisenhouse, give the order to the captain of the dragoons. Tisenhouse went out wringing his hands from anger and sorrow. After him went other officers. That same day the news thundered all through Glogov that the king had already gone to the boundaries of the commonwealth. Even many distinguished senators thought that the departure had really taken place. Couriers, sent purposely, took the report to Opel, and to the roads on the boundary. Tisenhouse, though he had declared that he had washed his hands, did not give up the affair as lost. As attendant of the king, he had access to the person of the monarch every moment made easy. That very day, therefore, after the dragoons had gone, he stood before the face of young Casimir, or rather before both royal persons, for Maria Ludvika was present. "'I have come for the order,' said he. "'When do we start?' "'The day after to-morrow, before dawn.' "'Are many people to go?' "'You will go. Lugovsky with the soldiers. The Castilian of Sandemir goes also with me.' I begged him to take as few men as possible, but we cannot dispense with a few trusty and tried sabres. Besides, His Holiness the Nuncio wishes to accompany me. His presence will add importance, and will touch all who are faithful to the true Church. He does not hesitate, therefore, to expose his sacred person to hazard. Do you have a care that there are not more than forty horses? For that is Babinich's counsel. Gracious Lord! said Tisenhaus. And what do you wish yet? On my knees I implore one favor. The question is settled. The dragoons have gone. We shall travel without defence, and the first scouting party of a few tens of horses may capture us. Listen, your royal grace, to the prayer of your servant, on whose faithfulness God is looking, and do not trust in everything to that noble. He is an adroit man, since he has been able in so short a time to steal into your heart and favour, but— Do you envy him? interrupted the king. I do not envy him, gracious lord. I do not wish even to suspect him of treason positively but I would swear that his name is not Babinich. Why does he hide his real name? Why is it somehow inconvenient to tell what he did before the siege of Chenstohova? Why especially has he insisted upon dragoons going out first, and that your royal grace should go without an escort? The king thought a while, and began, according to his custom, to pout his lips repeatedly. If it were a question of collusion with the Swedes, said he at last, what could three hundred dragoons do? What power would they be, and what protection? Babinich would need merely to notify the Swedes to dispose a few hundred infantry along the roads, and they could take us as in a net. But only think if there can be a question of treason here. He would have had to know beforehand the date of our journey, and to inform the Swedes in Krakow, and how could he do so, since we moved the day after tomorrow? He could not even guess that we would choose his plan. We might have gone according to your suggestion or that of others. It was at first decided to go with the dragoons. Then if he wished to talk with the Swedes, this special party would have confused his arrangements, for he would have had to send out new messengers and give fresh notice. All these are irrefragable reasons, and besides, he did not insist at all on his opinion, as you say. He only offered, as did others, what seemed to him best. No, no, 
sincerity is looking forth from the eyes of that noble and his burned side bears witness that he is ready to disregard even torture his royal grace is right said the queen on a sudden these points are irrefragable and the advice was and is good Tisenhaus knew from experience that when the queen gave her opinion it would be vain for him to appeal to the king young casimir had such confidence in her wit and penetration and it was a question now with the young man only that the king should observe needful caution it is not my duty answered he to oppose my king and queen but if we are to go the day after tomorrow let this babinich not know of it till the hour of departure that may be said the king and on the road i will have an eye on him and should anything happen he will not go alive from my hands you will not have to act said the queen listen not you will preserve the king from evil happenings on the road from treason and the snares of enemy not you not babinich not the dragoons not the powers of earth but the providence of god whose eye is turned continually on the shepherds of nations and the anointed of the lord it will guard him it will protect him and bring him safely and in case of need send him assistance of which you do not even think you who believe in earthly power only most serene lady answered tisenhaus i believe too that without the will of god not a hair will fall from the head of any man but to guard the king's person through fear of traitors is no sin for me maria ludvika smiled graciously but you suspect too hastily and thus cast shame on a whole nation in which as this same babinich has said there has not yet been found one to raise his hand against his own king let it not astonish you that after such desertion after such a breaking of oaths and faiths as the king and i have experienced i say still that no one has dared such a terrible crime not even those who to-day serve the swedes prince boguslav's letter gracious lady that letter utters untruth said the queen with a decision if there is a man in the commonwealth ready to betray even the king that man is prince boguslav for he in name only belongs to this people speaking briefly do not put suspicion on babinich said the king as to his name it must be doubled in your head besides we may ask him but how can we say to him here how inquire if you are not babinich then what is your name such a question might pain an honest man terribly and i'll risk my head that he is an honest man at such a price gracious lord i would not convince myself of his honesty well well we are thankful for your care tomorrow for prayer and penance and the day after to the road to the road tisenhaus withdrew with a sigh and in the greatest secrecy began preparations that very day for the journey even dignitaries who were to accompany the king were not all informed of the time but the servants were ordered to have the horses in readiness for they may start any day for radabor the king did not show himself the entire following day even in the church but he lay in the form of a cross in his own room till night fasting and employing the king of kings for aid not for himself but for the commonwealth maria ludvika together with her ladies-in-waiting was also in prayer then the following night freshened the strength of the wearied ones and when in the darkness the glockov church bell sounded to matins the hour had struck for the journey end of chapter eight